our theme for this year's month of May, Kingdom Builders Missions Month, is Love Does. And it's based on a book we've been reading. If you haven't got that book yet by Bob Goff, I challenge you, encourage you, for some reason this year, we feel like we swung and missed for some reason. I don't know why, but every year we do this, and we can't buy enough books to keep them stacked, uh, keep, keep you all happy, um, with a book. This year, for some reason, this book you haven't grabbed onto yet. So I'm going to encourage you again today there at the Welcome Center, the what Bob Goff's first book called Love Does. And uh, we just really believe that in the stage we're at in our, in our society right now, with all the COVID stuff and all the past election stuff and all just the, you know, there's, you know, possibly war breaking out in Israel. There's stuff, you know, um, that the best thing we could do right now is focus on what's the love of God look like. And so that's why we picked that book. It's a super easy read. It's individual chapters that are just stories. And so that's, a, that's where we got our theme for this, this month, love does. And I think the really important thing for us to take away from this theme and the, even this book is this, that love is a verb, and that it's love is action and activity. We think so much love is feeling. It is a feeling too, but it is action and activity. Love expresses itself beyond just words that we say. And it's like the way that Bob Goff showed what love is when he told the story in the very first chapter of the book that some of you read, and I'm going to hope that after today, all of you will read, um, he tells this crazy story, and it's the way he starts the book. It's where he gets the title for the book, Love Does, on how he came to know the Lord through a ministry called Young Life when he was a student in California at high school, and that he got the wonderful idea that parents love that when he was a sophomore or junior in high school, he decided it was time for him to quit high school and start his real life. Now, the guy now is, a, is a, uh, uh, an attorney, teacher at Pepperdine, I mean, uber successful, but he decided that the path was to quit high school and become a rock climber. And uh, so all of you who think your kids are saying you're going to quit high school and do something, um, you know what? They might become a, they might become a, a world-known uh, uh, attorney someday. So he decided he was going to quit high school and become a rock climber. He lived near Yosemite, and so he went out there and on the way, he had a Volks, he talks about a Volkswagen Beetle. He had $75 in his pocket. He was going to go out to Yosemite, get a job somewhere near there, and spend the rest of his life being a rock climber. And if you guys have read the story, you know what happened. On the way, he stopped by his friend's house, his mentor. His friend's name was Randy. Randy's the guy who told him about Christ. And he was a staff member for a young life. And he just stops by the house and says, hey, just letting you know, I'm leaving. I'm heading out to Yosemite. I'm becoming a rock climber. And instead of criticize him, instead of topping him, he goes, oh, okay, just wait a minute. And he walks back into his house, and he comes back a few minutes later with a backpack and says, let's go. And this guy's a little bit older than him, and he's like, cool, you're going to go with me. And they jump in the VW Bug together, and they go to Yosemite, and they had really no money, so they snuck into some campgrounds, and there's these, some of these permanent tents that are set up. If you're in the campgrounds, they snuck in the back of those at night and slept in them for free. That's called stealing, but they did that. And um, they went to Yosemite, and he went rock climb during the day, and then they went, and all the different shops in the area tried to find a job, and no one would give him a job. He said it was like a conspiracy that no one would give him a job. They, he said, somebody must have called everybody and said, don't give this kid a job. So he couldn't find a job anywhere. So for a couple of days, he went to all these places. Eventually, his $75 ran out, and uh, he couldn't get a job, and his friend Randy's just hanging on with him, never criticizing, just being with him. And at the end of a couple of days, he's like, well, 
this ain't going to work. Um, maybe I need to go home and go back to school. And so he heads back and he drops Randy off. And when, Rand, when he goes to Randy's house, this gir- his girlfriend comes out of his apartment. And he's like, wow, that's kind of weird. Um, this guy didn't think we'd be living with his girlfriend. And she comes out and she gives him a hug. He's kind of looking. Else, he looks around and there's like a toaster, you know, and a coffee pot. And there are all boxes sitting around. Things are wrapped up. And he figures out what the day he went to knock on the door and say, I'm leaving, was the morning after Randy's wedding. And when Randy walked back in the house, he walked back to the bedroom where his wife, who he married the day before, the night before, and said to him, I think I need to go with this kid. And she said, go. And he took off the day, the morning after his wedding, and went and spent the next many days with this kid in Yosemite, when his brand new bride was sitting at home, and he came back in, and he, this is the, the conclusion of chapter one. He says, well, I guess that's what love does. That he did. Now, you may not agree with that, but he said, that's what love does. And he said, he learned right then that love does, that love is action. And that's what I want us to think about as we look at a text from the Gospel of John together today. And you may recall at Easter, I said there was a text in the, in the Easter story from the Gospel of John that I was going to preach about um, at Easter, but I really felt I should push it back to this missions emphasis um, month about that, that really speaks about this idea of love does, a text about, about it. So in, let me just get you, we're going to be looking at John chapter 20. And in John chapter 20, let me give you the background of it. In John chapter 20, it tells, it's the resurrection story. And it tells about how Mary and Peter and John found the empty tomb on that first Easter morning, the the resurrection Sunday, and how Jesus then appears to Mary and ministers to her broken heart. And then it goes on to tell about that evening of the resurrection Sunday when Jesus appeared to his disciples And that's what I want us to look at. So look at John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. We're going to look at Jesus on the first resurrection Sunday in the evening of that that day, his first appearance to his disciples. So John chapter 20, starting in verse 19, look what it says. It says, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. We'll stop right there. What I want to think about is the love does reality of this text. You see, Jesus, what's he do? First of all, he replaces their fear with peace. Two times he says, peace be with you to this scared group of disciples who are afraid of being arrested by the Jews. And then he commissions them to put the love they have found in Jesus into action. To take what they had been given to the world around them. You see, that's what verse 21 is all about. Look what it says in verse 21. 
As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So Jesus here, he looks at his disciples, those who have been following him now for over three years, um, and he tells them this, basically. You have seen how the Father has sent me into the world, and now I'm sending you into the world. In other words, he is saying, I haven't been leading you and teaching you and equipping you so that you just know more stuff about me. So that you can just um, know facts about the Son of God. You can just know the Greek word for something tied to Jesus. He's saying, I haven't been spending time with you, leading you and teaching you and equipping you so you just know more about me. No, I've been getting you ready so that now I can send you out and so that you can continue on with what I've been doing for the three and a half years that you've been with me. And here, I think, friends, is what each of us needs to understand about that today, what's going on, what Jesus says then, and how it applies today. That that commission, Jesus' commission, as I send you, as the Father sent me, I send you, that commission still extends to every person who says they are a follower of Jesus. As the Father has sent me, I also send you, is still true for every person who says they're a child of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you say he is the Savior and Lord of your life, then he is still saying to each and every one who say they're a follower of Jesus, as I was sent by the Father, so I send you. Now maybe Bob Goff would say it different. Bob would maybe say it, say it this way, if you say that you are a follower of Jesus, then love does. The love that you have received in and from Jesus will compel you, he would probably say, to go and to do and to love and to give. That we are sent to love. Now I want you to do something with me this morning. I want you to turn to somebody near you, next to you, and I want you to tell them this. I want you to say, you are sent to love. Go ahead and do that. Was that pretty easy? Was it pretty easy to do that? Look at the person next to you and say, you are sent to love. That was pretty easy, right? Telling somebody else what to do is easy. Telling somebody else what to do is easy, right? It's easy. You ought to do that. Now do me a favor. Look at your hands. Just do it. Look at your hands. Look at your feet for a second. Take your hand and put it over your heart. Feel your heart beating? Some of you just can't even move in church, right? It's okay to move. Put your hand over your heart. Lightning's not going to strike you if you just do this, okay? Find out that you're actually alive, right? Feel your heart. And say to yourself, I am sent to love. Say that. Say it out loud. That's a little bit harder, isn't it? It's a little bit easier to look at the person next to you and say, hey, Josh, you're sent to love. It's a little more difficult to own the reality when I go like this. Me, Mark, I am sent to love. But friends, if you say, and I'm very cautious, I'm very intentional how I'm saying this today. If you say that you're a Christian, because a lot, a lot of people say they are. But I'm saying there's something we own 
if we honestly say that we are Christians, if you say you are a Christian, then you are sent to do. You are sent to put love into action. And that's what Jesus deals with in the next few verses that we read. That as sent ones, we go and do in a particular way with a particular mission. And that's what I want, we want to look at. What's the particular way that we go to love, we go to do? Verse 22, look at verse 22. And when he had said this, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. How do we go? He says, love does, love goes. As the Father has sent me, I sent you. And then he says, there's a particular way that we go. We go in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I send you. And then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The point is really clear here. Jesus knows our doing can only be fulfilled, can only be achieved by the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us. This has to do with the heart of what we do, and it has to do with the power of how we do it. You see, I think at Portview, when it comes to doing the work of God, at least theoretically and theologically, we often think that the whole, we understand that the Holy Spirit is tied to the power that is needed to do what we have to do. We're good about recognizing that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can work, He can work through us at least theoretically and theologically, we understand that. We would say, oh, we want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I would hope we'd say this, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday's Pentecost Sunday. We're going to talk more about the idea of a need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to knowing we are sent to love in the name of Jesus, maybe we need to consider that that also has to do with the heart of of what we do and or why we do it. And here's what I mean. Again, you'd have to have read part of the book at least to know my illustration, but you can still follow along if you haven't. Why would Bob Goff, and if you hadn't read the story, you need to read it, have one time, he tells a story, about a kid, he lives on the ocean, a kid who walked by his house and finally one day came up to him and said, to him, a total stranger, hey, can I propose to my girlfriend on your deck? He said, okay. And a couple days later, the kid came and said, hey, could I have dinner on your deck? He said, yeah. And, I, it, and he said, and, and could I have, another day, like 20 people come and serve dinner on your deck? He said, yeah. Then he says, hey, I noticed you have a boat. After I proposed, could you take us out on your boat into the ocean? Total stranger. Didn't know the guy at all. He said he would wait with anticipation with his wife every day to see if the kid would come by. He'd come back. He'd go, here he comes again. What's he going to ask us this time? Total strangers. He puts a boat in his boat. Then what he does for the kid, he doesn't even know the kid, is he knows some people from the National Guard so he arranges for the whole dinner on his deck, all these people, 20 people serving dinner. He's serving a strange kid dinner. His proposes, oh, he said, can I play music on your desk and dance with her on your deck? Go ahead. He arranges the Coast Guard then that he knows to when they takes his boat out, they shoot off water cannons 
He said more than anything you could ever imagine, anything in downtown New York, they shoot off water cannons to celebrate that he got engaged to the strange girl that he's never met and the guy that he didn't know, was, didn't know who he was. And the question is, why would Bob Goff do that? Because of the heart of love. And that's what, that's what we're trying to re- re- convey just without reading that book. A heart of love, a heart of kindness, a heart of generosity compels us to do things. Now think back one week, last Sunday, if you were here or you watched online. Why would Lillian Trasher, the lady that Suzanne and I spent last Sunday talking about, which seems like a thousand years ago, that was seven days ago, my dear. Why would Lillian Trasher who went and established kind of our pillar series, who really gave us a model for doing um, compassion ministry through missions. Why would Lillian Trasher leave everything back at the turn of the century, uh, 1900 rather, and leave everyone she knows as a young woman, travel to Egypt, and risk her own life to start an orphanage with one sickly dying baby girl, who everybody said she would literally starve to death or be killed for trying to do it. That little girl whose grandmother, whose mother died at 16, whose grandmother was going to simply toss her into the Nile, as had been done since the time of Moses with children. Why would Lillian Trasher do that? Because of a heart of compassion, a heart of goodness, a heart of self-sacrifice. How could someone have a heart that moves them in these ways, because of the reality of the Holy Spirit within the life of one who is surrendered to Jesus. The first thing Jesus knew that his sent ones needed, he says, as the Father sent me, I send you. And the first thing he knew they needed is to have hearts that are being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit so that our, their hearts beat in line with the heart of God. And so he says, I'm sending you And what you need to go is here, let me breathe on you, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, loving others for Jesus makes no sense to someone who has not had their heart transformed by the Holy Spirit. Giving to missions, giving to support a church makes no sense to someone whose heart has not been transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's not logical. It doesn't make sense for Bob Goff, an attorney, to let a stranger have a party on his deck and then arrange for the Coast Guard to shoot off their water cannons. It makes no sense. You'd say, none of my business. It makes no sense, but it all makes sense when your heart is transformed by the Holy Spirit. It makes no sense to sacrifice yourself for the needs of another, the life of another, unless the Holy Spirit is causing his fruit his reality, his presence to transform our presence. We were talking about this recently at a staff meeting. Our staff meetings are on Tuesdays, and we were discussing our plans and the problems and the challenges and the headaches of putting together our upcoming Night to Shine um, event that will take place in February. We're planning it, started planning it months ago. For February. We had to cancel last year because of COVID. Night to Shine, that a lot of you know this, is a prom for disabled people. Um, the Plymouth Church, that's what we've been doing the last couple of years, 
our sister church in Plymouth, Suzanne and I have been up there a couple of years, and we just said it's such an amazing thing that we are now the Ozaki County um, location, the only Ozaki County location for Night to Shine, and we are talking about it in our staff meeting, what do we have to have? It's a huge undertaking. It takes hundreds of volunteers and many thousands of dollars of resources to pull off the event. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take lots of people. And I started it just as I was talking out loud, thinking about how foolish some people would think that we are putting on an event like this. We're putting so much effort and so much investment and so much headache into the lives of perfect strangers, of people that will absolutely None of them probably will ever step foot in the doors of this church outside of that event because of their special needs. It's kind of crazy. Why would we go through? Why would we be planning now, or even months ago, for something in February, trying to figure out how can we possibly organize it for a bunch of total strangers? Why would we do it? Because the Holy Spirit is changing our hearts as we walk With Jesus. He is causing our hearts to love what He loves. And what does He love? He loves humanity. He loves the hurting. He loves the vulnerable. He loves the overlooked. He loves the marginalized. It's why we're collecting for street life. It's why we have boxes out there and flyers that say, go to the store and buy some of this stuff. And you read the list, some of the stuff's going to make you a little uncomfortable. Now you're all going to get the list. What's on the list that makes you uncomfortable? It will be. Some of it will make you uncomfortable. Why? Because God cares about people and he is working in our hearts, in your hearts to do that. Church, we need to invite the Holy Spirit to change our hearts, to cause us... The Holy Spirit does not come and change our hearts unless we open up our hearts to His reality. If you're sitting there and saying, you know what, I'm the same person I was 30 years ago and I'm proud of it, I'm sorry for you. I don't want to be the same person next year that I am right now. I want the Holy Spirit to make me different tomorrow than I am today. So we invite the Holy Spirit into us so that we become transformed by the Spirit into the likeness of Jesus so that that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control become who we are. The fruit of the Spirit is not something that we, we do. It's who we become. It's what happens when the reality of the Holy Spirit has access to our hearts and transforms us. Friends, we can only really love others when the Holy Spirit is breathing through us. So what do we have to do? We have to welcome his transforming presence into our lives. We have to say in our, in our sitting in church and sitting in our prayer times and driving our cars, Holy Spirit, come and change me. I open up my life to you. So Jesus says, we are all sent. So we need the transforming work of the Holy Spirit to give us hearts of love and power. That's what we've got got so far. Why? So that we can do the mission that he asked us to do. That's what verse 23 is about. The mission that he asked us to do. Look at verse 23 because it's a very confusing verse. can be confusing if we don't understand it. He says, so receive the Holy Spirit. 
And if you forgive the sins of any, forgive anyone of their sins, they have been forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Now, this could be a confusing text. On the surface, it sounds like the John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying that our heart-driven mission is to grant forgiveness to some and condemn others by withholding forgiveness. That's what it looks like. But understand something about understanding Scripture. Here's why you can't be the verse of the day person. The verse of the day person takes a verse, doesn't understand the rest of Scripture, and says, this is what God's Word says, and you don't understand the rest of Scripture, and, you, and it doesn't make sense to you, and you go, or you say something, and you believe something that's totally out of step with the rest of Scripture. So, what can this mean? On the surface, it sounds like it's saying, forgive some, condemn others. Well, it can't mean that. And it's okay to come to a text and say, it can't mean that, because it doesn't line up with the rest of Scripture. So clearly, so what can it mean? Clearly, Scripture teaches that people are forgiven by God as they trust in Jesus to forgive their sins, which he took upon himself on the cross. That's the theme of the gospel message. So what does this mean? What can this mean? Well, friends, it's, it's about the love-driven mission that we have all been called to. The mission of helping people find forgiveness through Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. See, here's the reality. We have to, if we put the whole teaching of the Bible together on this topic, it can make, we can make sense of it because we have the message that leads people to Jesus. And when we lead somebody to Jesus, it leads them to forgiveness. And that's how we can be part of forgiving people, helping others find forgiveness. We are part of the process of helping people find forgiveness. And we have the message of forgiveness that without Jesus, there is no forgiveness So we are part of the process of telling people, without Jesus, there is no forgiveness. So in essence, we offer forgiveness in Jesus' name, and we instruct those without Jesus that they can't find forgiveness. That's what John is talking about. That's what this is all about. Maybe to make it a little clearer, let's look at somebody else in Scripture who talked about the same thing but made it a little clearer. The Apostle Paul. Turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians with me, the fifth chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's one of the sections in Scripture that everybody ought to have underlined or memorized or photocopied and hung on your wall. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 17. You there? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for God, for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God 
in Him or in Christ. What's Paul talking about here? He's saying, you are part of the process. That's what he's saying. This is our mission of love. To help people know that God is not holding their sins against them. He is not mad at them. They don't need to do penance to come to God. Jesus became sin, it says here. The sinless one became sin by taking our sin upon himself. And it said that he transferred something to us. He took our sin, but then he gave us his righteousness. So we are ambassadors for Christ. We go for Christ to others, helping people to be reconciled to God. To turn from their old lives of sin and pain and put their trust in Jesus as their Savior and find forgiveness of sins through Christ. Can you see the the process of thought that Jesus takes us through here in John 20? You are sent. As the Father sent me, I send you. Full of the Holy Spirit by a transformed heart with the ministry of reconciliation. Helping people come to know God. So they can have their sins forgiven. Friends, that's what love does. Through acts of kindness and love and generosity, we build bridges with people so that they can see Jesus in us. And so that we can tell them that God's not mad at them. Rather, he wants them to be his child, forgiven and free. That's what's talked about. That's what John is talking about in chapter 20. Each of us who says we are Christians are sent out with this message. Be reconciled to God through Jesus, his son. And church, I need you to understand something today. It has never been more important to understand this message, that every one of us has been sent with this commission than it is today. This task is not something we can leave up to missionaries we send overseas and pastors that stand in pulpits. It's not something we can leave to only a few people. Friends, if you haven't noticed, our nation is a mess. It's a mess. And our, church, and our nation needs a church who understands this and owns this now more than ever before. We could be lazy before. We could make excuses before we can't anymore in the situation we're in the country we can't anymore our world is finally recognizing its hopelessness our world's finally getting that it's hopeless and that's the tone especially in our youngest people in our generation though every study says they're hopeless they don't believe there's a better future for them they're hopeless our world without jesus is hopeless And we can offer the only true hope there is. Sin's curse being broken by the loving power of Jesus. Real freedom in Jesus. Real life in Jesus. There's never been a time when the church in America needs to own its responsibility to be ministers of reconciliation more than we do in the day we're living in. For such a time as this, God has placed you in this church. For such a time as this, God has made you one of his children. Because our world finally is recognizing its hopelessness. And we are the only ones. Not an arrogance. We're not, it's not about us. It's about the cross. It's about Jesus. It's about the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And him then saying, 
As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We can't make excuses anymore. We have to say yes. Or this, and I mean this with all sincerity, then stop calling yourself a Christian. I'm serious. Stop calling yourself a Christian. Because if we're Christians, we're called this. Now, we're all going to do it differently. Not, I'm not saying any of you have to stand up here behind a pulpit and do this. But the reason we chose Bob's book this year is to show you don't have to be a preacher. You can let some goofball kid have a party on your deck so that you can show him the love of Jesus and then say, and the reason I did this, my friend, is because of Jesus. Friends, there's never been a time where this is more needed than today. The Holy Spirit within us is compelling us to share the message of Christ with all the hopeless, all the needy, and listen, all the confused. We've got a whole bunch of confused people, and it's manifesting itself in all kinds of bizarre ways. With all the confused, all the angry, all the lonely people around us. What's the message? God is not holding your sins against you. It's not about doing penance. He doesn't say get better first. He says come to Jesus. So we have to be a church that, guess what? We're welcoming people in who are confused. So they can find their answer in Jesus and find salvation in Christ. We've got to welcome people who are angry. What that do? It might mess up our nice little country club of a church. And I hope it does. I've been asking Jesus for something. And I don't know if I should say this. I'm going to say it. I've been asking Jesus. Lord, I can actually see the end of the race. I don't think I'm going to die tomorrow, but I, get, I'm, I got more years behind me than in front of me. I'm saying, I want to baptize at least 200 more people in this church. For some reason, we're in a, we're in a culture right now where, man, it's been tough. Tough to help people see Jesus. But you know what? This is the golden opportunity. We've never had this opportunity before. COVID has changed people's minds. They recognize they're scared and hopeless. This is the greatest opportunity I believe we've ever had. To say to people, you know what? The world's a mess. The world's confused. The world is angry. The world is lonely. And we have the message. Not arrogantly. And how do we, how do we prove to them it's the message? We act like Bob. You love people on purpose. It costs you something. You know how many nights, if you read between the lines of the story, how many evenings he didn't get to do what he wanted to do? Because of some kid he didn't even know. Who decided he wanted to get proposed and have a wedding and a party on his deck? Took a lot of energy. Took his money. Took his resources. Took his connections. He didn't have to do any of it. Reality is, friends, that's what love does. And my hope is the Holy Spirit will grip our hearts today and cause us to feel what he feels for others to feel the love and the compassion that he has for others, not condemnation. Because when Paul says it, he doesn't say, you've been given the ministry of condemnation. You've been given the ministry to tell everybody else they're wrong. Did he say that? No. Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us, the word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors to tell that message to the world. Well, guess what? 
if Jesus, if we're welcoming the Holy Spirit and He's changing our lives and we're, we're seeing our lives transforming Christ, then we're going to be totally different than the world around us anyways. We're going to act different. We do dumb things like have ministries to dis- disabled people that people go, why would you do that? You don't even, not even from your church. We're going to do dumb stuff that people understand like giving to missionaries in the Ukraine because why do we care? Why? Because love does. That's why. Let's pray together. Lord, Holy Spirit, your word here is very clear that you said, as you sent us, you sent out the disciples and you send out your disciples, which are us, that the first thing you did is you said, receive the Holy Spirit. That you were saying that we need our lives transformed by the reality of the Holy Spirit within us so that we have the heart transformation and the empowerment to now take the the gospel, the message, the ministry of reconciliation to tell the most hurting, the most downtrodden that, Lord, a lot of us structure our lives in such a way that we don't even interact with. And you're saying, go to them, to everyone, and tell them that God is not counting their sins against them, that he has a better life for them, that he'll find freedom in Jesus. And that when we know this, that when they find Jesus, then they will be transformed as we are being transformed. Lord, help us to own this, to understand this today. So Holy Spirit, I pray, grip our hearts today. Cause us to feel what you feel for others. Cause your word to resonate within our souls. Help us to feel your love, your compassion, your grace towards ourselves and others. That you're not condemning us. That there's no condemnation in this message. You're just you're inviting us into the kind of life that you intend for your church. And that for such a time as this, you have you have given port to you all it has. You have brought us together as a church family so that, Lord, you can use us to bring people to you, into your kingdom, and they can find love and life and transformation as we have and we are. So, Holy Spirit, help us. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we can see whom you are sending us to this week. Not something for a year from now. This week. I have to believe there's people and every one of us will encounter this week, Lord, who needs you. Open up our eyes. Give us all the boldness, all the insight, all the wisdom we need to share your love with people this week. And Lord, help us to own that we are sent to love. Lord, it was easy to point to somebody else and say, you are sent to love. Help us to own that we are sent to love. Because God, we know this, it's your plan, but we are weak and we are feeble and we are distracted. I know I am all those things. God, you called us to the most eternal, most eternal ministry on the planet and the most amazing thing that you could use us as ambassadors 
to this world by our, by our loving people through our going and our giving and everything we do to make the world, help the world know you. So church with our eyes closed. Well, you can have your eyes open. I don't care. As we're sitting here this morning, I asked the Lord for the last couple of days, how do I end this thing? think I know what he wants and I'm not coercing anybody I'm you know me I do not use coercion I do the opposite a lot of times I try to make it that you only respond if you're actually compelled but if you're sitting here today and you are feeling that the Lord is speaking to your heart and saying it's going to be different for everybody how it's manifest but you are saying I am ready to own Maybe you have already, but you're saying, I am ready to own that I am sent by God in the power of the Holy Spirit to take the message of Christ to the people around me through acts of love and then simply welcoming them to Jesus. Maybe that welcoming to Jesus is simply bring them to church, but you understand that you are owning the ministry of being sent by God to a world that needs Him. If that's you today, I want you to stand up where you are in this church. Don't look at anybody else. Don't care if anybody else stands up. I'm serious. I don't care. Don't stand up because somebody else is. If you say, I understand that I want to own this, stand up. Lord, you see us. You see us. You see us, Lord. We're just being honest. We're just being honest. We're saying, count on me, call me. And Lord, um, 12, you use 12 people to change the world. You can use this group. You can use this group to change our community. So, Lord, I ask right now, as we are open to you, that you, Lord, would pour out your spirit. That you would pour out your spirit upon us today. Pour out your spirit upon us today, God. So we are filled with your presence. Your power love and grace. Let's all stand together this morning. Father, we are here because of you. You are good to us. And Lord, I pray that as, as we stand to our feet right now, there'd be the sense as we're standing on our feet, we are commissioned to walk. To walk into the world with your love and your grace and your goodness. And I pray this, God, in every person in this place, that we would go in the power of your Spirit so that you would do things that are so far beyond us that we would be shocked 
because it wouldn't be about us at all. So let your goodness, your grace, and your blessings flow through us as we walk into the world with you today. Thank you in the name of Jesus.